How are you doing today? I'm Joey of Underage Packers. Uh, Big B is not joining me today. He had to go back to the hospital. Uh, we're still praying for you, Big B, focusing that Big B energy. Uh, today joining me, though, is probably our best guest of all time. It might take a little bit here uh, to get back to that. I mean, this guy has a lot of titles, a lot of accolades. I mean, he's, his show is the 11th most popular sports show in North or South Korea, my bad. Uh, and the most important thing here, though, is the fact that he his podcast was number one on my dad's Spotify rap for this year. Please welcome to the show, Weston Hockowitz. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Your dad's my my biggest fan, or I should say I'm his biggest fan now. Yeah, exactly. Keeping me, in, uh, yeah. keeping me in business. He made a point. He made sure I would at, uh, make that point to you. So <laughs> I, hope, I hope he's proud now. Uh, so um, today we're going to be talking with Wes uh, about this 2020 Packers team, how he got to that point. So me and Big B can kind of get a blueprint on how to steal his job. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, this Titans Packers game we got coming up. So let's start off with that. I mean, uh, you kind of just gave me a little bit of a, a background before, uh, pre-show, but, you know, you worked at the Green Bay Press Gazette with uh, Rob Domofsky, Mike Vandermoss. So I probably pronounce that last name wrong but um talk a little bit about that out of college what that experience was like um and then we'll get into a little bit more on uh your job now well first off joy i appreciate you having me on uh you you talked about i'm your i'm your biggest guest whatever i mean this might be the biggest time i've ever been a guest on anybody's (laughs) show so Uh i do appreciate that no i um it's really funny i i turned 33 last week and I started doing this when I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. uh, professionally, which is, I mean, it's been a crazy 14 and a half, 15 year run. And I always, every time anyone ever asked me what about something like this, I always start by saying everything I have, the shirt on my back, mm-hmm. the gas in my car, the ink in my pen, uh, is a credit to Mike Vandermoss. I wouldn't be here without him, mm-hmm. without a little bit of luck. Uh, I ended up, it's, it's such a funny story. I worked with his son at McDonald's of all places, got to be good friends with them. Uh, he ended up actually standing up in my wedding, still one of my best friends. And the press Gazette had a part-time score taking position open. And about a week before the start of the prep season, their guy left. He went and took a job down in new Orleans, I believe it was. So they're left scrambling. So here's little Wes Hodkowitz without even a journalism class to his name at that point, uh, in September of 2006, got hired and it was a rough year, but we survived. And uh, while I was at UWGB, I was able to work at the Press Gazette in a part-time capacity. And then I did general assignment preps for two years for them outside of uh, college. And in what would be 2000, yeah, it was, would have been March of 2012. They were nice enough to extend me an offer after a good friend of mine, Kareem Copeland left uh, to move mm-hmm. into that fourth string spot. Uh, on the Packers beat. And it has been a, a wild ride ever since I joined the Packers in 16 mm-hmm. um, after Mike had left. And obviously Rob went to ESPN.com. Pete Doherty, still another one of my great friends, still uh-huh. at the press Gazette. So I still get a chance to see them quite often. And just on uh, this side of the game now. So I guess what you said a, a little bit earlier kind of takes away from my next question of you never really grew up wanting to be a reporter. Cause I mean, for me and big B, I'm sure well, I don't know for Big B, but for me, it's like, you know, you get into that age where it's like, all right, maybe I can't be an MVP quarterback. Uh, maybe I'll try out punter. Maybe I can be a long snapper. But that's, and then you just realize maybe I should uh, go into reporting. So did you ever, uh, did you kind of go through that same process? Did you ever 
have dreams of becoming a sports reporter as of now? Yeah, I did. Uh, that was one of my big things because much like you can relate to, I think after what you just said, uh, it became pretty clear early on by the time I at least got to middle school, I was not going to be an athlete. Yeah. I was certainly not going to be a professional athlete. Uh, so reporting has always been the next best thing. I, I mean, I, the game has sort of changed now, like with kids, you know, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, it was all about sports cards and that's where I got my information. That's where I got my yeah. stats. So I'd have little like checkerboard sheets of like following, you know, NBA players, NFL players, and doing whatever mm-hmm. I could before fantasy football became a thing to, to track all that and did a little yeah. bit of work with my high school paper. But I actually was sort of torn even my first two years uh, at the press gazette of whether or not I was going to go the newspaper route or journalism route, or if I wanted to do mm-hmm. history. And then I remember having a conversation. It's funny with Mike's brother, John at uh, the Howard Christmas parade in uh, 2006 uh, winter of 2006. And, you know, he had mentioned that, uh, you know, you should consider sticking around maybe doing it a little bit longer. Cause originally my plan was my wife who's a year younger than me uh, was it, we both went to the same high school, Bayport high school together. And I was going to stick around and get some gen eds for that year, have a cool mm-hmm. job at the press gazette. And then I was going to go down to Milwaukee with her when she went to Marquette and uh, we decided to, me to stay her to go and, mm-hmm. and, uh, was able to, you know, cultivate an opportunity and a job, but it, it has just been a dream come true, Joey, to, I have such in talking about the opportunity I have now, uh, mm-hmm. Duke Bobber, Ryan Hartwig, uh, Mike Spofford. I can't say enough about those guys and, uh, Craig Schielbauer, everybody that's sort of empowered me. I can't believe in April will already be five years since I've been here. Um, yeah. it came at a time in my life, my wife's life that we wanted to start a family and, we're looking for a little bit of job security and there's probably no better job security in green Bay, Wisconsin than working for the Packers. So it's been a fun ride. And and fortunately is a little guy that dreamed about someday writing about pro athletes and and football players that it has worked out for me to be in this position. Yeah. I I love what you brought up there about uh, the, the difference of the atmosphere for kids these days and just the environment. Cause I mean, me and big B, we, we started, I mean, we did Instagram live streams, last year previewing all the games and then we wanted to start this and it's just it's so crazy and I something that always comes across my mind is without YouTube I mean 15 years ago nobody would could ever be able to do yeah. this I mean the only path to it was getting lucky enough to be on a radio show there yeah. wasn't Apple podcast Spotify um, and now here we are and it's just you have all, all opportunities in the world for information like you mentioned um, and getting an audience putting it out there uh, so, I mean, me and Big B are really just growing up in a really lucky time. Yeah, it's amazing. Cause I, I remember when I was at the press gazette, like I said, I started in 2006 mm-hmm. up until the time that I actually was given, not given, but I, I, I got on the Packers beat and was given the opportunity to make picks every week. Um, only one time in the six years before that was my picture ever in the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated with like 30 different emphases over at the, at GB none of them was broadcast media. I didn't go to school mm-hmm. to do electronic media at all. I just yeah. kind of happened. And that's the way media has worked for a lot of people. It's just been about getting an opportunity and, and yeah, honestly, it's cliche, but making the most of it and adapting to it. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't think I'm Chris Berman. I don't think I'm anything really special, but I do feel like I'm an improved version of the West Hodquits four years ago. And a lot of that mm-hmm. has just been adapting to it. But I am really grateful for this medium though. Uh, because before that, it was, okay, you get some letters here and there, you, you maybe get some emails, but there really wasn't an opportunity to directly engage with, you know, Joey the Jaguar, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, fans and, and other bloggers and, and being able to connect with writers. I mean, 
the 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 opportunities to do that were so small and, and limited. Uh, mm-hmm. So this has been probably my my greatest gift, and it's what I've enjoyed the most is that when you produce content or you produce a story or anything that you do, even the live streaming stuff, when we were doing that before COVID, mm-hmm. it's you're able to directly, as the crow flies, connect with your readers and your consumers. And, and that's been a ton of fun. Absolutely. So let, talk a little bit about more of your, your daily duties on your job. So, you know, I'm sure throughout the week is where you get most of your work done. Um, but what is game day like for you? I'm sure this is more of a regular reporter and not specific to your digital reporting assignment at Packers. It's a, it's the most normal day of the week for me. Uh, you know, there's no Packers daily. Um, nice job on that, by the way. Uh, there's, there's no unscripted. Uh, there's no three things. Mm-hmm. Game days are really where I feel the most in my element, to be quite honest with you, because the opportunities to write, especially mm-hmm. in the Zoom era where that takes up so much of our day. Yeah. Uh, really, it gets it gets more few and far between. I think I write now three stories during the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to insider inbox, which just goes along with the territory. It's just something we have to do. Yeah. Um, but on game days, I have a very set pattern. Um, this year has been a big change. You know, I'm used to the last seven years I've been traveling for road games. Mm. Uh, this year I've either been covering those games from my house or over in one of the boardrooms over here. Um, but you know, being able to sit down, I do pregame radio, uh, on the Packers pregame, uh, radio network show, mm-hmm. uh, which I've really enjoyed this year it's with uh, James Jones and, and Gabe Neitzel and Dennis Krause. Last year we were with Tausch. Uh, that's been a, a blast. Um, at that same time that I'm doing that, Spoff handles the injury inactives. So he'll get that story up. Then I usually go back upstairs to either to the press box or to my desk. And I do the in-game updates during the game, quarter by quarter, just giving people the quick rundown. If they're not basically in the area, they're out of range of the broadcast. So they can kind of keep up to date on where things are at in a more narrative mm-hmm. way than just looking at a box score uh, game gets done. We're on the zooms, which now thanks to the magic, of the internet, everybody can hear every single interview <laughs> that we're yeah. ever conducting, which uh, is some people take advantage of us. Yeah. It's it. And, and Hey, like we're a part of the system now and that's yeah. fine. The only downside to that though, is we're, we're trying to like, actually like we're doing our jobs. Like we got to get these quotes in order to write, yeah. but what ends up inevitably happening now is, we get the quotes and everybody else can just go use them while we exactly. still have to sit there and get more quotes. So we're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I will welcome when we get back in the locker room at that stage. <laughs> but uh, once that's done, Joey, we I'm doing our sidebar, our locker room report and our game notes, Spoff writes our, our game story and the column. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, like this past Saturday night, I think I got home at two 30 in the morning. It was a little early, um, yeah. but yeah, that's kind of the day in the life. And, it's been a fun ride. It's, it's everything that I do when I leave on a Friday evening, it's mm-hmm. cool because it's like, all right, one, you get a day off usually the next day, but two, yeah. the game is always the funnest part. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's where you feel the energy. Mm-hmm. It, it, people are just, their eyes are glued to it. We can talk over and over again, whether it's in the off season or the week about how, you know, just exciting everything is and build certain storylines up. But until you actually, you know, get, the feet on the grass that that's mm-hmm. that's the moment where you know you think about the playoff game in dallas back in january of 17 and the 2013 regular season finale in chicago and you know obviously the guys that covered the super bowl and the nfc championship game that year those are the moments that stick with you because mm-hmm. they're the experiences that you feel in real time and it's yeah. just so hard to reproduce those type of things 
Yeah, I'm so excited for the playoffs this year because over the uh, this past season, being able because I mean, like you said, I don't have a whole team of videographers, editors, and uh, producers for me, but we put out a, a lot of content in my eyes for two people on game day. So, <laughs> I mean, we're it's Sunday. It's like, all right, we'll enjoy some Dr. Peppers and we'll worry about recapping the game on Monday. So let's talk about uh, this past season, how the Packers uh, have done. So last year, there was a lot of questions about the Packers' identity. I mean, they had 13 wins, um, but there was the most fraudulent 13 and three term was uh, 13 and three team was the term thrown around. Um, And I don't know if I could give an answer of what the 2019 team's identity was. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on what you think the identity of the 2020 Packers is. I think this year the identity has been really coming down to imposing their will. Uh, Last year, if you asked me in 2019 what I thought their identity was, I I thought it was how they responded to adversity and how they won in clutch situations. I thought that said a lot about what Matt LaFleur, the type of culture that they instilled in that locker room, that when the chips are down, there's two minutes to go. They're just, they were that, that best friend of yours that you're playing in Madden that you knew if you're within one score, you're still going to end up losing. They just, they had that type of feeling to them this year. It's been a lot more powerful Mm -hmm. uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. I think when this, this offense is right, you're really seeing uh, the genius and the brilliance of Matt LaFleur's scheme partnered up with an out of this world, unbelievable, someday hall of fame quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. those two worlds are meeting. And that's not to say that Rogers didn't have that with McCarthy, but I think what you're seeing is a fresh take on offense with LaFleur and his scheme and where that has derived from with a quarterback that I think is very much wanting to show everybody that he's still the yeah. perennial MVP, the, the nine time pro bowler, the, the guy that can, you know, take a game into his own hands and find a way to a victory. So this year, having that type of firepower and having Devontae Adams in the peak of his powers, Aaron Jones, 32 yards away from his back-to-back thousand yard seasons, mm-hmm. an offensive line that has been adaptable to the situations that they've been presented in a defense that has been opportunistic, that needs to be more consistent down the stretch. Mm-hmm. All of those things, if you're looking at a team entering week 16, I think are pointing in the right direction. And if they can figure out exactly, you know, maybe what went wrong in that third quarter and what needs to change mm-hmm. to be able to maintain that throughout the course of a game, yeah. this is a team that very well is going to be one of those on the, the schedule when you get to January that that other opposition doesn't want to face. Yeah, you know, I think we'd really like to be saying uh, that about the 2018 Packers team at that time. Uh, so, you know, over the past two years, over the past three years, the fact that, I mean, me and Big B are the hardest, most frustrating time of our life. The most, the worst Packers teams we've experienced is 2017 and 2018, yeah. which is a, a privilege to say. Um, but what do you think? They made a lot of moves. They kind of went through a mini rebuilding period. The difference is most teams that are rebuilding don't have Aaron Rodgers. Um, they fired their GM. They moved on from their head coach. They brought in uh, four free agents in one off season, which was very uncharacteristic for them. So would you, could you pick a move that you would say is the biggest for the Packers quick turnaround to go six, nine and one, and now be have a chance to go 13 and three, two seasons in a row. 
I think it probably has to start with the Smiths. Uh, and, and for two reasons, I say that one, what was the reason Joey that they ended up going and, and signing as many players as they did? It was because in 2015, that draft class didn't have anybody coming up for second contracts. They either were, were traded or they were already gone. So you have to find a way to circumvent that. You have to find a way to create that. And Brian Gutekunst did that in free agency. Now, the thing that surprised me is that you might sign Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and, and also Billy Turner in hope that you strike on maybe half of that. They got contributions from across the board. Those four players, I remember doing a story last year, the number of snaps that they played and the fact that they all stayed relatively healthy, mm -hmm. um, just remarkable. And when you look specifically at Amos and Turner, those guys have even taken it to another level here in year two. Yeah. But, but, but looking at Zadarius Smith, they needed to find uh, a, a new franchise type pass rusher. Now Preston mm -hmm. Smith has been a great compliment to that. Uh, but Zadarius Smith was the, the clay Matthews type, the guy that yeah. it's like, okay, if you're going up against the green Bay Packers, who are you scheming to stop? It needed to be Zadarius Smith. And mm -hmm. the beautiful thing that Gutekunst and his scouts and Milt Hendrickson, everybody in that front office did was they found players who were on the come up. They found mm -hmm. guys that hadn't already played their best ball. They were projecting them to have better years in front of them. And here you are now, Smith, Zadarius, that is 25 sacks uh, throughout these last 30 games. Just remarkable production and has really changed the culture of that defense and, and, and being able to get to a position where now he's a starting outside linebacker on a virtual pro pro bowl team. But I mean, just to get that, that credibility back to the defense, I thought was huge because by the time the 2018 season ended, I just don't know when you looked at the Packers defense, where it was really that you needed to find someone to stop. Yeah. I mean, Clay Matthews was, wasn't his best season. wasn't a, a traditional Clay Matthews season. You could definitely feel his age in 2018. Uh, and I think the most impressive thing that Sidarius and Preston brought uh, was a new energy to the defense, yeah. I, especially last year. Um, we we just haven't seen that energy from the defense in a while, that vibe around the defense, as the kids would say. Um, but, you know, they, they really, and even in this year, um, and let's talk a little bit about that defense. You mentioned that they need uh, to play more consistent. They've been opportunistic, uh, whatever, uh, but they, they've been able to get turnovers. They've been able to get stops when it counted. Um but they've still struggled uh, at some point. So where do you think, uh, not specifically to point to a specific coach, specific player, specific right. weakness, but what do you think, uh, where do you think they need to improve on uh, down the stretch in years in the future? Well, really, to be honest with you, I think the one real holdup for them right now has just been the takeaways. Now they've had a an uptick of it in the second half of the season, but mm -hmm. you know, the thing is you got to understand, I, I keep saying this in insider inbox too. Defense is different in 2020. If you're thinking you're just going to have a defense, that's going to give up 150 yards a game and the opposition's not going to move the ball on you. It just doesn't work that way, especially with the way that the officials are, are you know, the fact that holding has been diminished this year. Yeah. Uh, if you put your finger on a quarterback, when he doesn't have the ball, you're going to get a flag, uh, defensive holding, defensive pass interference, all eyes are on you there. So it's only natural. You're going to have instances where the D the offense is going to be able to move the ball. It's just the way things are, mm -hmm. but takeaways are always the ultimate equalizer. And a year ago, the Packers were really proficient in that area. Now, again, you've seen an uptick, but when you look at where this thing is going for green Bay, the last two games of the regular season and however far it carries them into the postseason. I feel like if you just have a few more of those per game, not even necessarily 
uh, just being able to take the ball away, interceptions, fumbles, but just some of those competitive mo- moments. Yeah. Uh, that is ultimately going to be what I think can really push this defense forward. You look against that game against the Panthers, Joey, that was an amazing performance oh, by yeah. Christian, our Christian, Chris Barnes, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, for him to be that aware, knocking the ball away from Teddy Bridgewater. It was one play, one moment in a 60 minute game, but you saw how it changed everything. The Packers were able to generate points off of that. And it really, even after some of the struggles in the second half, it all came back to being able to get that swing and Carolina was chasing, you know, itself the rest of the way. So it's just having that mindset that at any given moment, it doesn't matter if it's the first quarter or fourth quarter, if there's an opportunity to take the ball away, that's where the, the antennas need to be up, I think, for Green Bay because they are close. I think Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark is healthy again. I think that front is playing as well as it has all season. It appears that they've settled in with a little bit more of a focus with their the middle of the field there with Chris Barnes and Adrian Amos is playing in the box more. They have the guys there. It's a talented defense, and they're fast. Can you just be more consistent and find those yeah. opportunities to take the ball away? And that's where we're going to end things off for this episode. Wes will be back with me this Saturday to take a closer look at the 2020 Packers. Can they win a Super Bowl? Do they have the right pieces? And we will also take a look at the upcoming game against the Titans, score predictions, key matchups, uh, and all of that good stuff going into the final stretch of the NFL season. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at JoeyGPG. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter for all that great content here at Underage Packers. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Go Pack Go!